Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace, pastor of Redemption to the Nation's Church. And listen, today I'm going to be bringing a message that I trust will bring life and hope and peace to your heart. We need peace in these troubled times. We can find it in the word of the Lord. I want you to call your friends, your family, let them know that this message is getting ready to be preached. I want them to join in and be blessed by it as well. Now hang on to the end. I'm coming back to pray for you and your need. Can't wait to see you then. May the Lord bless you. Let's jump into the word today. I want to go to Revelation chapter 19, finish a series I started several weeks ago called Here Comes the Bride. Here Comes the Bride. Verse 1 says, After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. Boy, this is a great sermon for a first-time guest, isn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, on a scale of one to 10, this one's an 11 today, but how many know the truth is what we need and the truth makes us free? Someone say amen. So for true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said hallelujah, second hallelujah. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying amen. Hallelujah, third hallelujah there. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both great and small. And I heard as it were the voice of the great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of many thundering saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. How many believe he still reigns? How many believe he's still reigning in Zion? Somebody say amen. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready. Look at those words, made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, right blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the sayings that are true and of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not worship me. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Look at your neighbor, tell him, worship God. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now today, if you would do me a favor and put your finger on Revelation chapter 17 and hold that place because I'm going to talk today, I'm gonna to talk about the contrast and the differences between the harlot and the bride. The harlot and the bride. And I know this is a heavy word, but this is a necessary word for the day that we're living in. How many know we're not going to be people who walk in deception? We're gonna walk in the light as he is in the light, and we're gonna keep our fellowship with Jesus all the way to the finish line. Somebody say amen. So Father, I just pray today for the people of God. I thank you for the truth that makes us free. I pray today that we would preach the truth, that we would have freedom to preach the truth in the spirit. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus to rest on the people now. Break yokes, remove burdens, expose the lies, the diabolical plots and schemes of Satan. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we are not ignorant of his devices, but because of your truth, your wisdom, your discernment that you provide by your spirit, we will walk in the light. For the path of the just does not get darker and darker. The path of the just gets brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So today, let somebody's path get brighter. Let somebody's joy be restored and let the peace that passes understanding be our portion in Jesus' name. If you receive it, say amen. To be seated in the presence of the Lord. So, 
I don't think you have to have the gift of discernment. I don't think you have to be a prophet or uh, have a business card um, in the kingdom of God to know that it seems like every time we turn around, another uh, chapter of ignorance and stupidity and um, just darkness and craziness seems to be um, emerging in the earth. And, and I don't say that in some doom and gloom way. I don't, I don't, I, in fact, I'm getting ready to give you some good news, but the reality of it is Paul told Timothy that evil men don't get less and less. Evil men grow worse and worse. And we're seeing that play out in our nation. We're seeing that play, play out in our world. It seems like there is a premium on craziness and chaos and foolishness. And there has been this uh, famine of common sense and wisdom and truth. In fact, the prophet said, truth has fallen in the street. It's like stomped on and walked on top of. It's not regarded or it's not uh, uh, adored anymore. Pe people have traded truth for a lie. And the Bible warns us about trading the truth for a lie. And I'm just thankful that in the, in the day and hour that we're living where it looks like one greater version of craziness and ignorance and stupidity that happens after another and one after another. I'm just thankful that although the world may get darker, the path of the just grows brighter and brighter. You need to hear me tell you we're living in a day where the demarcation and the difference between um, religion and a real relationship with Jesus, that day's upon us. It's not coming, it's here. I believe we're living in a day where the kingdoms that we live in, the kingdoms to which we are citizens of, the kingdoms um, that are in competition, as it were, a battle, as it were, on planet Earth. Earth is the battlefield. The kingdoms and the different kingdoms, it's going to be easier and easier to tell who's a part of the kingdom of God and those who are not. And, and I don't say this, since I'm, you have to know me, I'm not some uh, artifact, I'm not some dinosaur who believes, you know, I'm not some old-fashioned clothesline preacher. I'm just saying it's, it's, getting, it's getting real. <laughs> we're living in days where we have to decide if we're gonna live for Jesus or not. Like this in-between space, this indescript space, this place of, you know, we're kind of holding hands with all of it because we don't want to offend people, we don't want to tick people off, we don't want to be, we don't want to seem exclusive. Let me tell you, we're there. And we're not living in days of pluralism. We're, uh, we're living in days of pluralism, but the church has got to be reminded and decisive in the fact that there is only one name under heaven given among men whereby men can be saved. That's the name of Jesus. I didn't come to the pulpit today to make enemies, but the truth is exclusive. The truth is exclusive. My religion is not exclusive. My denomination, we don't have one, but our denominations, we're not trying to paint something as exclusive. We're, we're just saying that to get to God, we believe the Bible. And the God of the Bible said there's only one way. There aren't multiple ways. There's only one way for men to come out of darkness into the marvelous light of, of his love, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to get thick skin in these days and be comfortable believing something that makes other people call you exclusive and crazy. They're gonna talk about you because they talked about Jesus, it's okay. They're going to persecute you because they persecuted Jesus, it's okay. They're going to cast you out because they cast him out and that's okay. 
You have to make up your mind at the end of the day, am I going to live as a lover of Jesus or am I going to be a lover of this world? You cannot love both God and mammon. You cannot love the system of this world and at the same time love the Christ and the King of the kingdom of God. And I just want the church to understand that you're not crazy, you're not narrow-minded, you're not a bigot, you're not some, you're not some fascist. You, what you are is you're convinced that Jesus Christ, his grace and his blood were enough to save you and me from our sin and we will not live the rest of our life shacking up with the world when the one who loved us enough to die for us has called us into his presence and into a life of intimacy with him. Can you say amen? And as I think about where the world has come and I'm not a doom and gloomer, I, I believe all the way, I believe all the way till the end the church will give the devil fits and be the devil's worst nightmare. I said that. I believe the church will be the devil's worst nightmare because we won't stop preaching and we won't stop praying and we won't stop interceding and we won't stop worshiping and we won't stop giving and we won't stop coming to church and we won't stop raising our kids to love the God of the Bible. I need some help here. And we're just going to be a thorn in the devil's flesh till Jesus comes. I am not, we are not here to, um, you know, draw a line in the sand and say, devil, you stay over here and we'll stay over here. We're here to say the earth is the Lord's. The kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. And we will participate in the harvest of the ages. We will see men and women, young men and young ladies come out of darkness into the marvelous light. I still believe in the evangelist, Jesus Christ, who went to the woman at the well and when she was broke, busted, and disgusted, he didn't tell her, you know what, if you'll try my religion, I'll give you new life. He said, if you drink, I'm gonna preach here. If you drink of the water I give you, you will never ever thirst again. I still have good news for a thirsty world. Jesus will quench your thirst. I still have good news for a hungry man or a hungry woman that are looking for spiritual life. There is only one who can give it and the good news is he already died so that you could have it and his name is Jesus. I think it's time for the church to understand that the darkness around us is actually an invitation and an opportunity. The darkness, the canvas of darkness, the, the darkness of this world actually provides a tremendous contrast for our lives and the grace of God on our lives to show the, the people who are living in darkness there's such a better kingdom to live in. We ought, there ought to be something so sweet about the Christ in us, the presence of Christ in us, that people who don't have it want it. If you have a version of Jesus and a version of Jesus that isn't sweet and attractive and doesn't cause, cause humanity to want to know more about it, I just want you to go back to the altar and get softened up, a little more tender. Come on, we got enough Shiite Christians with picket signs threatening everybody running around. We need some Christians who really live like Jesus so that the world can see the Christ. I got Bible for this. Matthew chapter five said, let men see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He didn't say let men hear your anger or see your frustration. We don't come to bash people and beat people up. I don't care how trapped they are in sin. You will never shame somebody into the kingdom of God. But what you can do is live a life of love and let them know that the Christ Christ who died for them is not out to get them. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. John 3, 17 says Jesus come that the world through him might be saved. That's good news. 
as we approach the coming of the Lord and we get closer to his coming, I want to tell you that what we're seeing happening on whatever level it is happening now, it will only intensify. And one of the things that I am sure that I am seeing happening in the earth today is a definite line of demarcation between the bride and the harlot. I want to tell you that the harlot is a woman just like the bride is. The harlot has another agenda and yet the harlot attempts to, to demonstrate to the world that she is in fact the bride when in fact she has a different agenda completely. This is a heavy word. On a scale of one to 10, it's an 11. This is not like chicken soup or the Christian soul. If you're just getting saved, I don't, I don't point people to revelation when they start Bible studies. If you're just getting saved and just getting walking it with Jesus, you're just getting into the kingdom of God, come on, you need to start in Ephesians and find out who you are in Christ. You need to read the book of John and find out how much the Son of Man loved you. You don't need to go to Revelation and become an expert in eschatology if you're three weeks into the kingdom of God. Because the truth be known, there are some of us been saved for 40 years who still don't know what we're talking about when it comes to the book of Revelation. And you take all the lens of, of interpretation and all the training and teaching that we've heard of all life, and you come to the book of Revelation and you just see this, this plethora of end time things and you, and you approach it from what you've been taught and trained and, and, and that's what we all do. But the reality of it is there's so many versions of eschatology. I just think right now some people need to get infatuated with Jesus and then grow in there. I'm not saying eschatology is not important, but you're trying to find out who the Antichrist is and you hadn't even met Jesus Christ yet. I said something right there. If, if you want to know what the fake is, find the for real. Come on, when the FBI teaches the money laundering department how to detect real money, they don't put fake money in their hands. They put real money in their hands. If you touch real money, when fake money comes in, you say, uh-oh, that ain't right. And we got people trying to specialize in the book of Revelation, eschatology, and the Antichrist, and you don't even have a prayer life. Fall in love with Jesus, and when the fraudulent shows up, you'll know it's not him. But the reality of it is that don't sell books. It's a whole lot more popular to say, I know who the Antichrist is. Liar, sit down. We don't want to read your book. Here's the bottom line. In the day that we're living, there is a fraudulent church. I don't like preaching this. It makes me seem like an old-fashioned relic and a dinosaur. Whatever you want to call me, here's what I want you to know. If you're not aware of it, you can be deceived by it. And I want to talk about, and I, I read 17, Revelation 17, 18, and 19 preparing to preach this today. I, I, it felt like I read it a hundred times, trying to get my mind around what's the big picture here? What is the Lord really saying? What are we seeing unfold in Revelation? And here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the contrast between the bride and the harlot. The, the, I want to put, put them side by side briefly today, and I want to compare and contrast the harlot. There really are no comparisons between the harlot and the bride, but scripture is very clear about what their differences are. And I want you to be aware of those differences so that when you begin to see these things manifest in the earth, you begin to say, uh-uh, that, that just feels a little bit off. Because here's what I want you to know. The harlot church is not going to simply come out and attack with clarity and with, clar with, with knowledge. It doesn't look like an adversary of the bride, but it is. 
You got to catch this. So let's, let's talk about this. Let me compare three things, just three things, and I'll get out your way. I want to talk about the attire, the desire, and the fire. I want to compare the bride and the harlot, and I want to talk about the attire, what they wear and what's different between them. I want to talk about their desire, what they desire and the different things they desire, and then I want to talk about the fire. The fire affects the harlot differently than it does the bride. Lord have mercy. Number one, let me help, help me here, Lord. Let me get into this. Number one, contrasting the bride and the harlot. First thing I want you to see is the difference in what they wear, their attire. Look at your neighbor say, they wear different things. Okay, so let's go to Revelation. I'm just gonna teach. This is just like opening the Bible and teaching you what the Bible says. I want you to see what the harlot, the fake, fraudulent, counterfeit church looks like. Okay? The Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 17, in verse number four, the woman was arrayed. This is a, a Greek word, a, a King James word, a New King James word for, it's how we would say, boy, she was decked out. That's what we're saying here. I want you to look at what she's wearing. She is wearing purple and scarlet adorned, 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 and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. Here's the thing, she is amazingly beautiful. Don't misunderstand what I'm getting ready to tell you. She does not look like a demon. Because if the devil showed up knocking at the door of the church and said, hey, I'm the devil, and see my pitchfork and see my pointy tail and see my red horns, everybody would see the devil and say, stay out, stay out, stay out. But that's not how seduction works. Seduction says, let me put on something that would attract and seduce people and make them forget what they got, make them forget who they are, and make them forget who they belong to, and let me present something that would attract them away from the one that they are currently serving and living for. The seduction that is happening is unbelievable. And here's what I want to tell you. Her purple and her scarlet and her pearls and her gold are really about concealing the death and darkness within her. What, we, what, 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 that, what that, uh, that harlot wants is to seduce people by hiding what it's really about and the agenda it's really having and it wants to attract people away from the groom and get them focused on this harlot so that people say, well, we want to look like that. We want to dress like the harlot. We don't, we don't like this garment that we've gotten and we want to be free and, we, and there's nobody in here today trying to take anybody's freedom, but I would like to correct you about your definition of freedom because what some people are telling you is freedom is really bondage. Some people are telling you there, 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 there's no reason to live right. There's no need to live holy. There's no need to say no to the flesh. Really what we're doing is telling people that they themselves are their own God and they ought to listen to themselves. I came to tell you there's some voices that come up in your preacher that your preacher and your pastor has to tell those voices, not today, devil. I'm not following that. I'm not honoring that. I'm not looking at that. I'm not, y'all not talking to me, but I'm talking to you. I'm not listening to that. Why? Are you too holy? Are you legalistic? No, I am a bride and I'm about to get married and I'm not trying to allow this world to seduce me. She, 
she had on this beautiful outfit, purple and scarlet looking all fine, gold and shiny, but she was fornicating and sleeping with the princes and the kings of this earth, which is a really, really spiritually um, idiomatic way of saying that the, the fraudulent fake church uh, would do whatever it had to do to get in bed with authority and power. I said this three weeks ago, I'm gonna say it again to you. Influence is not our pursuit. Intimacy with Jesus is. If we will get intimate with Jesus, he will give us influence. But when we get that kind of influence, we don't have to sit down at tables and wonder what we had to sacrifice to be sitting at the table. If God gives you influence, you are beheld to no man. If God opens the door for you to speak to kings and presidents, potentates and popes and people of authority, you don't have to wonder if I need to change my message to stay in the room. The devil is a liar. I was fine before I got in the room. I don't have to be in the room to know who I am. And if you invited me into the room, may God give me the grace to speak the truth while I'm here. And if at any point the truth is not welcome, I'll pick my bag up and walk out of the well you know they they have such authority they might but they don't have any more authority than Jesus well they have such power they might but they don't have the kind of power Jesus has and at the end of the day we are not called to mix and mingle with the world system we are called to be a bride of one allegiance and one heart and one mind and it is to the king she wore this beautiful garment. All these jewels looked really amazing. And then you flip the page and we come to the bride. She ain't wearing the same attire. In fact, some would look at her and call her plain Jane. Sit, come on, talk to your neighbor, tell him you sat by plain Jane. My life, I would see some of y'all can't handle that. And they're like, no, 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 I'm not talking about, I want you sisters to, you know, wear your favorite stuff, go get your favorite brothers, look good. That ain't what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual attire. When I was raised, if women wear makeup, they had Jezebel. It's a sin for some sisters not to wear makeup. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. My mama's even saying amen. She don't ever help nobody preach. <laughs> we're not talking about makeup. and We're not talking about earrings. We're talking about spiritual attire. Listen to me, family. If you are saved and born again, you are not going to a cemetery and you're not going to a funeral. You're going to a wedding. And the wedding is between the bride and the groom and every wedding I've ever preached and every wedding I've ever attended, I knew who the bride was because of what she had on. I can't find no help in here. The Bible said that she had on a white garment. In other words, her beauty and her attraction was not about what she was decked out in. She was beautiful, but her beauty came from a radiance that was not even her own. I wish the church would quit trying to find its relevance 
presence in what it does and find its relevance and significance in its relationship with the one who called her out of darkness. I'm going to tell you what makes us relevant. It's not our big screen and our haze and our lights and all of the new stuff. I'm thankful for all that, but that doesn't make us relevant. What makes us relevant to a blind man is that we have the oil that can help them see. What helps us be relevant for a broken family is not how cool is our stage. It's can you heal my broken family? That makes us relevant. The city don't care about our light show. People are drug addicted and going to hell. And relevance is not, hey, do you think we're cool? Relevance is come on out of darkness. Let us show you the light. The Bible said that she had on pure white. Her beauty was not in all of the externals. Her significance was not in her ability to seduce. Her significance was in her faithfulness and commitment to the groom who was on the way to get her. We're going to a wedding church. We're getting married. Look at your neighbor tell them, we're getting married, we're getting married, we're getting married. Not only is there a difference in her attire, there's a difference in their desires. The harlot wants something different than the bride. Yeah. The Bible said in the book of Revelation chapter 17, verse seven and eight, I believe it is seven and eight, it said that she slept with the kings of the earth. That's what she desired. She desired one night rendezvous with people in authority. I'm praying, oh, Lord, help me here. She desired kings, princes. She desired to rub shoulders with the icons of the day. I'm telling you, God been speaking to me about this. We got preachers who have left their birthright for a bowl of stew. Talk to me, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn and had access to everything that the father was going to give him. And because he wanted to fulfill some lust of the flesh, he traded his birthright for a pot of porridge. This is what's going on in the kingdom of God. Now I'm thankful God is a God of mercy. God will forgive. God will rescue. God will set people free. God will forgive their past. But here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you before you ever get in bed with those kings, it ain't worth it. There's some people in this room and you call us old-fashioned, you say we're outdated, you say we're irrelevant, you say whatever you want to say. At the end of the day, we believe that the man we are getting ready to marry and the wedding we are getting ready to have is worth every single time we denied the flesh and told the devil to get out of our mind and get under our feet. Why in the world do you do that? Why do y'all, why do y'all get so narrow-minded and you don't do this and you don't do that? Let me tell you why. I'm not... I I want to get married. I want to be faithful to the groom who's been faithful to me. And we have put a premium on people just going and doing whatever they want in life and saying, well, that's your Christian liberty. Listen, let me tell you something about liberty. There is no version of biblical liberty that takes you back into the bondage Jesus delivered you from. Paul 
would rebuke the Galatian church and said, I'm concerned about you. I have a feeling that I need to reborn, rebirth you all over again into the kingdom of God because you've been seduced and bewitched. This is heavy. But what we're seeing happening are good people who started in the kingdom of God trade in their birthright, go get a pot of porridge in the name, okay, here we go, thank you, Lord, in the name of unity. Let me tell you about true unity, biblical unity. There is no true biblical unity unless it is centered around the person of Jesus. Now, let me help you. We should be kind, friendly, there is no space in the kingdom of God or the grace of God for people who get saved to be jerks. You don't have to stand up and bash people or go off on people. We're not going to do that. I just, I, in fact, let me just get this off my chest. Sinners sin. Can I tell you this? Sinners sin. I don't even get bent out of shape about that. I pray for sinners. I preach to sinners. I love sinners. I got sinner friends that don't know Jesus. Sinners sin. I don't have a problem with sinners sinning. I have a problem when the fraudulent, fake, counterfeit church stands up and tells sinners who need to hear the truth a version of the truth that leads them into deception and then they get trapped deeper in, y'all not helping me. They get trapped deeper in a lie. I'm not ticked off at sinners, I love sinners. I want everybody, all 1,800 of you leave today and go tell every sinner you know, come to my church. My pastor told me to bring all the sinners I can. I wanna make room for every sinner in this city. I want them all to know they can come to this house. They can find forgiveness, they can find love, and they can find eternal life. But I wanna tell the fraudulent church that's telling sinners, Jesus said it's okay to live in your version of sin, and it's okay, that's a lie. And not only are you going to go to hell, your lie is causing other people to be on the same track. Somebody gotta love me enough to tell me the truth so that I can jump out of my misery and into the miracle of God's grace. What do you desire? The harlot church desired to sleep with the kings of the earth, and the Bible says she seduced them by fornication, spiritual seduction. But the bride is not desiring the kings of the earth. The bride is holding herself for a different king, the king of kings. I hope that you don't feel sorry for yourself or other Christians when you look at, we have people who now in the church, they feel like raising a godly family is not enough. Working a hard job and committed to a local church is not enough. Providing as best you can for your children is not enough. This world we're living in, the system of this world wants you to think you're always missing out on something. So I need, to, I need to get a little bit, I need to get a little bit more adventurous in my theology and stretch myself out there. I'm thankful for revelation and growth and progress in the kingdom of God, but stop this evolution nonsense. I'm evolving. You're not evolving. You're opening yourself up to things that you should have never opened yourself up to. There was a... There was a reason why your forefathers and my forefathers in the faith didn't teach them because they didn't produce any kind of fruit and they didn't bring us into any greater dimension of life. Well, I want to make sure I'm open to everything. I'm open to everything God wants to do, but there are some things that the harlot church teaches people are right and that ain't best for you. 
What do you desire? I'm getting married. We're going to a wedding. Who do you love today? I, I don't want you to ask, it's a rhetorical question. I want you to ask the, yourself the question though. Who, who do I desire? The true bride isn't wore out with Jesus. She's waiting on him. She's excited he's coming. The true bride is holding herself for him because she believes he's coming at any moment. The true bride is not just going through motions and we're not just trying to what we're trying to do every single time we gather, what we're trying to do when we're driving down the road with her, what we want to do with every ounce of life that God has graced us with is draw closer and closer to the groom. And why? Because one day we're going to get married forever. The attire is different. The desire is different. And finally, I'm going to end with this, the fire. The harlot, let me give you this. The harlot... Thank you, sir. The harlot, when the harlot was exposed to the fire, the Bible said in the 17th chapter, Revelation 17, verse number seven, maybe it's verse number eight. It is verse number eight. It said when the fire came on the harlot, it burnt her up. You ready for this? The first time hallelujah is mentioned in the New Testament is in Revelation 19. The word hallelujah has never mentioned in the New Testament until Revelation 19. Do you know what the first hallelujah in the New Testament was about? They were singing hallelujah in heaven because they smelt the smoke of the burning harlot. Boy, this is a good one. You want to get your preacher in all kind of trouble, clip that and put it on social media. My preacher said the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. No, I didn't say it. I told you what the Bible says. The Bible said a hallelujah broke out in heaven. They started praising God because the smoke of the harlot could be smelt throughout eternity. And they celebrated why? Because from heaven's perspective, the harlot was never an innocent bystander. She was also always a counterfeit that brought destruction to the true bride. Destruction, I said destruction. She is drunk on the blood of the martyrs. She has killed the prophets and slayed the preachers and she tried to put the real bride out of business. And when heaven saw her burning in the fire, they said, hallelujah, it's over with. The harlot has been judged. We can't handle this. I know this is too intense and some people are misunderstanding what I'm preaching today. I'm not talking about, the, I'm not talking about souls. I, I, I weep over the souls of humanity. We're talking about people who are not just ignorant. They willingly were seduced. They willingly walked away from the Lord. They willingly turned their back on Jesus. And not only did they personally turn their back, they willingly submitted themselves to a system that drug innocent men and women with them into their deception. Heavy, I know, but Jesus is coming. And when you're tempted to believe, oh, Wallace, you're just a little excited and emotional, you don't even have to go beyond nightly news to see the fall of the church. The train wreck that has become much of the Western church is now being seen by all. And what do we do? We reduce, we reduce our righteous standard to accommodate a generation of complacency. And I'm calling you to rebel against that. You are a bride getting ready to get married. You are not a harlot who is up for sale.
Last thing, I'm done. This is it. Not only is their attire different and their desire different. See, the bride is waiting on the king. She's not sleeping with the kings of the earth. Which king are you searching for? But the last thing I want to tell you is that there's a difference in what fire does. And when fire touches the harlot, it burns her up and consumes her. But the bride doesn't respond to fire that way. Look at Revelation chapter 19, please. I want to give you this and then I'm going to be done. Revelation chapter 19. For the bride, verse 7, has made herself ready. She made herself ready. Can you hear those words? She made herself ready. She didn't blame her, her lack of being ready. She, she didn't have the privilege of just saying, well, you didn't get me ready. You're a bride. Wedding's getting ready to happen. Make yourself ready. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, make yourself ready. She, she got herself together, and watch this. The Bible said that she put on this white linen garment. Now, linen is amazing because linen is not like cotton or wool. Linen has a sheen to it. Linen has this radiance to it. When you see someone in linen and you get them under the light, it actually has like this effervescence. It's like a, a sheen. So this bride, she's wearing a garment that sort of makes her stand out, but there's something else about this, this uh, uh, linen. Linen is much stronger than cotton. Linen is much stronger than wool. Linen is very tough. It's a very tough fabric and it's able to withstand a lot of stuff and keep its shape. It's interesting to me that she's wearing a white linen dress because the, the, the writer, John, knew what he was talking about when he saw her. This was not a cotton or a wool dress. It wasn't a dress that would wear out over time. This is a dress. This is an outfit. This is a tiger that would last. But I want you to see this word. The Bible said it was clean. Everybody see that word in your Bible? I read it off the screen. It said it was a clean garment. And that word clean in the Greek is the Greek word kartharthos. And it literally means to be purified by fire. Listen, when the harlot is involved in the fire, the harlot gets consumed by the fire. And when the smoke of the harlot rises, heaven rejoices at the smell of its burning carcass. I know it's heavy, but it's what the book says. But when the bride goes through the fire, the bride is not consumed. The bride walks through the fire and comes out of the fire and doesn't even smell like smoke. When the bride walks through the fire, I need to talk to some people who've been through some stuff in your life and the enemy thought it would destroy you and the enemy thought it would take you out and the enemy intended it to destroy your faith but when you walk through the fire you didn't get stuck in the fire that's why somebody said I'm going through hell and I started clapping baby if you're going through hell the key word is through don't stay stuck in hell just keep on walking you're coming out of this in fact shake somebody's hand and tell them don't stay stuck in this Tell them you're coming out of this. And when you come out, I want to tell you what the prophet Isaiah said. I feel like preaching. The Bible said when you come out, you won't even smell like smoke. When you walk through the flood, it won't overtake you. When you come out of hell's kitchen, not even the smell of smoke will be on your life. In fact, why don't you lean over and just give your neighbor a little sniff? Yeah, you don't smell like the divorce you came out of. You don't smell like the bankruptcy you filed. You don't smell like the trial you just walked out of. How is it that you don't smell like the fire? I'll tell you how it is. The fire intended to kill you cannot kill you. If you belong to the King of glory, the fire will purify you. 
I want to praise God that after all, I'm going home in a minute, but after all the fire you've been through, you're still the bride and you're still getting married. Shake your neighbor by the hand and tell him you're still getting married. Lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated, but I'm still the bride and I'm still getting married. Went through a doctor, went through a nurse, went through COVID, almost lost my life, but I'm still the bride and I'm still getting married. Then lied on and the devil attacked your mind, but you're still here and you're still the bride and you're still getting married. Somebody shout like no matter what has happened, you're still gonna get married. I'm still getting married. I don't know what you've been through. The Bible said many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Somebody praise God that you're still the bride and you're still getting married. Hear me, you lost some stuff, but you're still the bride. Whoa, I feel preaching in me here. You lost some stuff, but you didn't lose him. You went through some stuff, and some of you are looking at me like you ain't been through anything in a while, but there's enough people in here who walked through hell in 2023 to get excited about the joy coming in 2024. I'm still the bride. I feel like somebody needs to take I'm still the bride kind of praise break, and you need to praise God that despite all of it, I still belong to Jesus, and he still belongs to me. I feel like preaching, because after I've come through what I've come through, I still got a ring on my finger. I'm still going to meet the groom. There's still a wedding getting ready to happen. Slap your neighbor, tell your neighbor joy. I declare joy over you. I declare joy over your family. You've been through enough depression. You are the bride of Christ. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Oh my God, there's a wedding getting ready to happen. You ought to put on a garment of praise. Slap somebody, tell them, excuse me. I've got to praise him. If you knew what he brought me out of, and the smell of smoke ain't even on my head, I've got to praise him. I'm still the bride. I'm still the bride. I'm still, I'm still the bride, and I'm still getting married. I'm still the bride, and I'm, they found the tumor on your side, but you're still the bride, and you're still getting married had some loved ones go on to heaven in 2023 and you felt the pain of their departure. But I came to remind you this morning that those who died in the Lord stepped over through a portal called death into a land of no more, a land where there'll be no more dying. There'll be no more crying. You need to put on some joy for 2024. You're still the bride. and you're still getting married. 
lost a business in 2023. Somebody had to file bankruptcy. The devil tried to steal your joy. But it's the last Sunday of the first month of a new year. And you're still the bride. And you're still getting married. sophisticated cool people who can't get excited about joy you're more excited about the buffet we're getting ready to go to and I'm a little bit happy about it myself but 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 there's about to be another kind of supper I want you to know you won't find it in these you won't find it in Jay Alexander's you won't find it in Kentucky Fried Chicken but there's another kind of supper we're getting ready to go to. Y'all gonna have to forgive me. I'm about to dance out of my jacket. I'm going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I need somebody who's ready to get married to give the groom a prize. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to do y'all a favor. I'm going to let y'all go. Because at 5 o'clock, we're going to start all over again. But I'm not going to let you go yet. I'm going to give you one more chance to praise him like a bride who's ready to get married. Praise him like you're excited about the groom you're getting ready to be married to. We might stop this service on this side and wake up on the other side. I wonder how many want to see Jesus open up your mouth. Praise him like you love him. One, two, three, go.
I don't. We're getting married. We're getting married. I'm trying, but we're getting married. Thank you, Lord. We're getting married. Anybody ready to be getting married? I want you to throw your hands up with me right now. Father, glory. We thank you for the celebration that is in order for the people who are getting married. Thank you that no matter what we've lost, the trial we walked through, the challenges we faced, because of your faithfulness and goodness, we're still the bride and we're still getting married. Ay, 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 Man. I, I heard this old song. I listened to it about 10 times last night when I was praying for y'all. It says, you're still Lord. Come help me, Jim Phillips, wherever you are. You're still my father. In little or much, I still feel your touch. You're still Lord. And you're still Lord. You're still my Father. You'll always be mine All of the time You're still Lord How many still love Jesus? Sing that one more time. Can you just throw your hands up and can you, I know you don't, maybe this is too old for some other folk in this room, but I just feel like somebody wants to just declare their allegiance. Well, I know we did it last Sunday, but even on this Sunday, Lord, I'm still yours and you're still mine. You're still Lord, you're still my Father, in little or much, I feel your touch, you're still Lord, you're still Lord. always be mine all of the time you're still Lord Lord I pray for the people of God today I thank you that the vow you made to us is an everlasting vow and may we have the heart to stay committed to you Lord we're thankful that after all we've been through, the fire did not consume us. It purged and purified your people. 
a bride who had made herself ready. Today, I pray in a world of deception, we would be a people of undivided allegiance. Our minds are set on you, oh God. Our hearts are fixed on thee. Jesus, in a world of pluralism, you're still the only one for us. I was going to put this in here. I couldn't find a word that end in I-R-E. It bothers me when it's not like that. But this is too good. The Bible said that the, the harlot had a name written on her head. Mystery Babylon, mother of all harlotries. What a name. What a name. But the bride doesn't have that on her head. You know why? The bride takes the name of the groom. How many sisters in here had a different last name before you got married, but then you got married, watch, and you took the name of the groom. Lift your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Do you know why the Bible says do not take the Lord's name in vain? He's not just saying don't say his name frivolously. He's saying if you're going to get married and take the name of Jesus, don't do it in vain. I didn't take his name in vain. I'm not going to call myself a child of God or a, a disciple of Jesus and take his name and then forget the name that I took. I took his name and I won't take it in vain. Devin is here somewhere. She's taking care of the babies, probably in the back. When she got married, her last name was Hamilton before I married her. When I married her, she became Devin Wallace. She took my name. When you got married to Jesus, you took his name. Now, as you get ready to go this afternoon, don't take his name in vain. If you're going to run with Jesus, run with him hard. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this building, you say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God. I don't care what you're do, doing, how long you've been doing it, how messed up you feel. If you need to give Jesus your heart. I'm telling you, the altar was full in Cleveland. God's moving in Tullahoma and in Athens, and this morning he's touching in Chattanooga. If you need Jesus to save you and you want him to be the Lord of your life, lift your hand on three and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. One, two, three, right now. Lift that hand. Just a hand. Yeah, I see you, sir. God bless you, friend. See you, sir. God bless you, friend. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Everybody look at me real quick. I want you to look at the person on your left and right and just be kind, be loving, be friendly. Just lean over and whether you've known them your whole life, you never met them before today. Just ask them, say, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, because you know you need to get it right, I just want you to come stand right here and meet me. Maybe there's nobody. Maybe everybody's saying, but I saw some hands, and I just believe Jesus loves you enough to transform you today and give you that new life. Right now, ask the person on both sides. Do you need someone to go? You need someone to go? God bless you, friend. Come on, come on, come on, come on, sir. Come on, man. God bless you, buddy. Come on, sweetheart. Come on, God bless you. Come here, family. God bless you. Come on, there's room. Come on, there's room. Come on, sweetheart, there's room. Come on down that aisle. Come on down that aisle. Come on, family. Come on, family. Come on. Hey, we know what angels are doing. I think we ought to join them. They're still coming. I, I need some more people to give God thanks. You're still Lord, you're still my Father, and little 
much I still feel your touch You're still Lord Stretch your hands toward this altar please And would you just spend 30 seconds praying for them Like you wish somebody would have prayed for you The day you gave your life to Jesus And they're going to continue to pray Go, go get your babies, get some lunch Get back tonight at 5 p.m. Don't forget to pick up an impact report. If you've been a part of this journey, I want you to see what God's done and we give him the glory for it. For those of you staying, if you'll just keep praying. At the cross, at the cross. We'll see you tonight at 5 p.m. Go in the peace of God as you leave as these continue to pray. Burden of my heart. Well, I trust that the word of God is working in your heart in this moment. I know the word works. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing hearing by the Word of God. Maybe something said today has touched your heart. Maybe you feel like you are so far away from God. How could I ever get right with God? Friend, I want to tell you, there is a way to get right with God. It's through His Son, Jesus. Today, if you'll turn your heart and your life over to Him, I don't care what you've done and how bad it was, how long you've been doing it and how messed up you feel. Jesus is a friend to sinners. He'll come into your life. He'll turn it all the way around and change it. I believe by the Spirit of God, He's doing that right now. Let's pray. Open your heart and say, Dear God, come into my life and forgive me of all my sin. Lord Jesus, I need you to wash me and make me new. I confess that I've been a sinner, and today I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Turn my life over to you, Lord Jesus. Come in and be the King of my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to know today's not the finish line. It's just the beginning. Go to kevinwallace.tv. Just drop us a line on our prayer request area. Let us know that you got saved. You gave your life to Christ. We want to make sure you have a Bible. We want to make sure you get plugged into a good Bible-believing church full of the Spirit of God. Listen, the journey has just begun, and the best days of your life are in front of you. We're praying for you, for you here at Kevin Wallace Ministries. Can't wait to see what God does in your life. We love you all. God bless.